My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Um, and welcome to week one of Philippians. I think they'd be like the wave going along. It's like, yay. Um, I, I will admit I was not completely confident we would get through Mark. Uh, like I'm, I must admit, uh, when the Lord hit us with the pandemic in the middle of the series, I was like, well, you know, maybe this is it. <laughs> but uh, uh, he was gracious and we get to go to another book. So I'm excited about that. Um, I want to open with a, a song that I'm going to read. Um, and I feel like it might encompass where my heart has been pulled the last couple of weeks and months getting ready to start this series. So this is uh, Christ, Our Treasure. Um, this is from Sovereign Grace Worship. Um, and it's a beautiful song. So, Lord, our feet have wandered all the earth unsatisfied. Drinking from a sea of emptiness has left us dry. So we turn our eyes to Christ, our treasure. There is none like you. Precious Jesus, there is none like you. Living water, word of life, you are forever true. Every blessing, joy abounding here in knowing you. So we fix our eyes on Christ, our treasure. Grace for the guilty, help for the needy. Jesus, you satisfy our souls. Strength for the weary, hope for the grieving. Jesus, you satisfy our souls. Healer of sickness, fountain of goodness. Jesus, you satisfy our souls. Faithful provider, gracious redeemer. Jesus, you satisfy our souls. Mighty in power, awesome in splendor. Jesus, you satisfy our souls. Author, perfecter, keeper, sustainer. Jesus, you satisfy our souls. So I hope that is going to be a thrust of where we are in Philippians, because if you thought we touched on Jesus a bit in Mark, in uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, I'm going to waterboard you with Jesus in Philippians. So... <clears throat> So here we go. So a quick overview of today's class. Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about a couple of our resources today. If we go to the next slide, that'd be awesome. Um, I want to talk about some of our resources. So we'll go do an overview of the Green Book, uh, a little history of Philippi, the Philippian Church. I'm going to read through Philippians. Uh, my goal, like my aspirational goal, we'll see if we land there, is to actually read Philippians every week, like the whole letter. So. That's, if, if you like the Bible being read, this is the class for you. If you don't like the Bible being read, uh, this is probably still the class for you. So, because um, we need to get you used to that. Uh, and then look at a couple of cursory themes in uh, Philippians. So let's talk about the history of Philippi. Uh, this is where resources come in really, really handy. So I'm going to read a couple of them today. The, the one that was my favorite so far, uh, I've got six, seven or so. Uh, this is Gordon Fee, uh, the... The Nick and T um, 
commentary. Now, how many of you know who killed Julius Caesar? Who killed Julius Caesar? Who? Brutus and? There were? I don't know what the rest of the name was. Anybody know the name of the other party? The other main party? Cassius. Brutus and Cassius. And they actually play a really big part in Philippians. And you're like, what? Yes. There you go. So uh, Philippi, if you've got your... Um, actually, I started at the wrong spot, didn't I? I said I'd get, we'd do the green book first. Let's do the green book. Yes, thank you. So if you've got your green book, uh, open up to page uh, 6. I'm going to give you just a quick orientation of the way it's laid out. Page 6. Our primary text for going through Philippians is not English. Our primary text is Greek. This is why this, the green book exists, because uh, if you read Greek fluently, raise your hand. I don't, so I need a resource to help, so that's what we're doing. So the bold black text is the Greek text. The bold red text is from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, I have ordered table Bibles from this, uh, for CSB, and they are all on back order, like everywhere on the Internet. I even ordered some from a sketchy website. I'm pretty sure I got swindled, and they didn't arrive either. So like, they're just not here. Sorry about that. But if you look at the bottom of page uh, 6, You'll see kind of the structure of this. So each one of the pericopes, each one of the sections in Philippians begins with the Greek text and then uh, the CSB. And then we go into the top of page 7, the word-by-word -word analysis. So that indented paragraph there with all the arrows pointing to it is basically how we're going to be using this book. That's what 95% of this book is, is just the, the verse number, the English word, the Greek word, the Strong's number, uh, the Strong's... Um, uh, the Strong's Greek word, the Strong's transliteration, the part of speech, and then uh, definition and how often it shows up in Philippians and in the New Testament. So I was able to get my spreadsheet working. I can do this for the entire New Testament now, so it's kind of cool. So we can see what's a unique word to Philippians, what's a unique word to the New Testament, and where things occur in Philippians. Now, a couple things to know about this. This is not new content. There's not a single stitch of new content anywhere in this book other than the introduction. That's just what I write. Everything else is just assembling stuff together that already existed in a way that helps me teach, and I think, uh, from what I've heard from you guys, uh, learn. And then at the bottom of each page are uh, space for applications and personalizations. The margins are big and fat and wide. Thank you so much to Mitch for that recommendation. So if you like taking notes, tell Mitch thank you. Uh, and then the commentaries that I am using right now in this series start at the bottom of page 7 and the top of page 8. So when I read in a couple of minutes from Fee and Hansen, and I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Kion. If anybody knows this guy, he's written a fantastic commentary. It's the newest one on, it's the newest in-depth one on uh, Philippians, and it's really, really good. So page nine is something that you guys should be familiar with. This is slightly expanded and clarified from a couple of prior editions, but it's a little cleaner. Page 10 is brand new. So we've never had a cheat sheet for nouns before, but now we have a cheat sheet for nouns so we can interpret some of those words. Uh, this has been super helpful for me, especially as we get into books like Philippians. Uh, 11 is brand new. I showed a version of this on the screen a couple of times as we were going through Mark, but this will give you a, a perspective on, you know, what does that preposition mean and how does it help us understand things relationally? Uh, 12 is new, 13 is new. We'll get into those as kind of we go forward. 
And then 14 is a picture of what we are actually talking about. So in the top center of that picture, in the top center of that picture is Philippi, and then over to the top left is Rome. We'll talk about why we think that's where Paul was. Um, hello to use those of you online. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, this is the Green Book. Uh, there's one, there's a free one available at uh, OurSundaySchool.com, big link at the bottom of the page. Just click on it. It's exactly what we're looking at here in class. So that's just a quick overview of the Green Book, and we will start on page 16, Lord willing, next week. So that's where we're headed next. So let's talk about Philippi. And to talk about Philippi, I've got to go back in time just a smidge. So if you had to guess who founded Philippi, would you, would you want to guess what his name was? Philip, Philip yes. Uh, Philip of Macedon. He had a very important son. Anybody know who his son was? Alexander the Great. Yes, Alexander the Great. And uh, Philippi was founded then, and it was fine, right? It was like, okay, it's a little town. We're going to build a road to it. It's fine. No big deal. The kick came is in 42 BC. Uh, a battle was fought between Cassius and Brutus. We talked about them a second ago, the assassins of Julius Caesar, and Octavian and Mark Antony. And if these are like, like, these are really significant names in history, yes, Octavian later became Augustus, uh, the emperor. And uh, Octavian and Mark Antony won, and they honored Philippi by refounding it as a Roman military colony. And you might be thinking, like, what the heck does this have to do with anything? This is a major piece of data to understand about the city and how it felt and it was and its culture and what it valued and what it worshipped and what it didn't and who was in that city. So when these guys won the battle, they went and they populated the city with retired soldiers that fought for Rome. So this is a, you can almost think about it as a Roman military retirement town, right? And military, so Mitch, I've got one eye on you here. Military guys, when they retire, do they like to tell stories about what they did? In the, like, <laughs> Sherry's nodding her head vigorously, yes. So this would have been a very, like, as Romish as you can get is Philippi. Like, just as, I mean, this is like all kinds of Rome here. And there was a phrase that the uh, Romans used that they did not do this very often. And if they said, all right, this city is so Rome-like, we're going to consider it part of Italy. Like, it is, it is uh, the, the, the word is ius uh, italicum, which is basically, this is Roman country. So the, everybody that was there, Roman citizenship. Everybody that was there, Roman protection. Everybody that was there got to participate in the most popular worship form, which was worship of the emperor. So when Paul leans really heavy into every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, this is coming direct opposition to the major religious function of that city, which was Caesar is Lord. And you're like, well, well that would never happen today. Well, okay. Um, so two things I'll recommend for you. One is that you look up uh, this song, Christ Our Treasure, from Sovereign Grace Music. It's beautiful. The other is a, uh, a musical group called Salos. It's P-S-A-L-L-O-S. 
P-S-A-L-L-O-S. They have a CD that they do, an album basically for young people because um, they don't actually make CDs. It's just everything's done. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and they have an album that they do for several different books of the Bible. So they've got one for Jude, they've got one for uh, Hebrews, and they have one for Philippians. And there is a song in there about Caesar being Lord that will make, like, you, you'll listen to it and be like, this is so wrong. And it, it's their version of what a military fight song might sound like cheering on Caesar. You're like, whoa, it's crazy. So it's a, it's a very interesting view. It's a beautifully eclectic uh, little CD, but I would encourage you to, it's a nice reference. All right, so the history of Philippi, if you had to sum up one word, what I just talked about, the history of Philippi, it's very what? Roman, right? It's Roman, 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 Roman. All right, so let's talk about the history of the Philippian church. Now, the cool thing is that, like, the New Testament was largely written in a shockingly compact period of time. If you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. The New Testament is like 50 years and it's all done, right? I mean, it's maybe 60 years. Only Like if you're a really liberal, it's like 60 years. But this is really short periods of time. So flip over to Acts chapter 16, and we can actually read about how the church in Philippi was founded, which is kind of crazy. And I don't know how many churches you've been a part of in your life, but I'll bet you the founding of every church you've ever been a part of didn't sound anything like this, because <laughs> this is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. If this was not in the scripture, I would not have believed it. So I'll pick up uh, Acts 15 and 16, uh, and this is Paul with a couple of other folks with him. Um, this is, I think, Timothy's with him. I think, I think, I think, I think. Uh, Luke is actually with him because in verse 11, the pronouns switch over to we. This is that he versus we sections of Acts. So we'll pick up in verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. The next day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony. So I'm glad Dr. Luke agrees with my assessment. This is good. Uh, and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Pause. Why did they not expect to find a place of prayer inside the city? Rome. Rome, 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 right? Now, the Mishnah says that if you had 10 adult Jewish men, that was enough to start a synagogue. So the fact that Philippi did not have a synagogue helps us lean into, I'm not going to say this is not definitive closed fist, but helps us lean into, this was not a Jewish city really in any way, shape, or form. Like this is, there's some there because we meet a few, but this is not the predominant thrust. <clears throat> so we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Would you like to know the first song on the CD that Silas has about Philippians? When I went down to the river to pray. 
We went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. It's actually biblical. Like, who knew that, oh, brother, where art thou was biblical? <laughs> there you go. Bam. <clears throat> so we find, do we find a group of men? No. We spoke to the women gathered there, and a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Did you sell purple to rich people or poor people? Rich people. So Lydia had some, like, she had some connections with wealth and money. And she had a house big enough that she could actually hold these travelers there. So verse 16, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and, she cried, and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days and Paul was greatly annoyed. I love these little phrases where Luke just kind of, he's a human being, right? He's a human being. Turning to the spirit, not to the girl, turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. And when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And you might be thinking, this is weird. Like, what's going on here? Like, what are we, what are we talking about this? Well, th this rolls into something dramatically bigger here in just a second. So bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. We'll lean into that a little bit in a few weeks. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Now, jailers in Philippi would have been retired military guys that usually would have had a position like centurion, that type, like, I need, a, I need an easy gig, right? So who's in the jail at the Philippi jail? Other soldiers that go out and get drunk and do stupid things and whatnot, and they know how to keep, keep up with these guys. This is, this is who's there. So verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They weren't the greatest of cellmates, okay? Like, just... <laughs> and the prisoners were listening to them, because what else are you going to do? Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. And when the jailer woke up and saw that the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. Because if he didn't do it, somebody else was going to do it. Right? But Paul called out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now there is an intellectual gap between they were singing in hymns and all the shackles come off and then what must I do to be saved? But that jailer made that gap. He quote, like, there was, he's like, something special is going on here. He got it. Verse 31, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. And he took them that same hour of night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. When daylight came, the chief magistrates sent the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. Like, go, 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 go. Like, just, y'all get, go. 
<clears throat> Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial, although we are Roman citizens, although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail. And now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. Okay, Paul, I believe we've touched a nerve. Verse 38, the police responded to these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Why should they have been afraid? They didn't ask it. And because they beat them. You don't get to beat a Roman citizen. Like, this is one of the things that you actually are exempt from. You're a Roman citizen, you don't get to be beaten. This is a problem. So they came to appease them, and escorting them from prison, they urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, so circling back to Lydia. We end where we started, where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed, and that is the launch of the Philippian church. A wild and crazy tale <laughs> that involves jail, an earthquake, singing at midnight, a demon-possessed girl, fortune-telling, going down to the river and praying, and meeting in a woman's house, and staying there that you just met. Like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. So, with all of that as the backdrop, what type of letter do you think Paul is going to write to the Philippians? It is a friendly letter. <laughs> he has friends there. He has people he cares about there. He probably had this experience in Acts chapter 16 in the early 50s, and we think that Philippians was probably written in the early 60s, so probably about a decade before. So the church is only about a decade old, and he writes a letter. And this is what it says. <clears throat> so I, I would encourage you to listen. If you want to uh, read along, that's great, but I would just encourage you to listen to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. And you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in a defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I deeply miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preached Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. 
The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about what you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle, you saw I had, and now hear that I have. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of a death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in that day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know of his proven character 
because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him but also on me, eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who the Spirit, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then, dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Iodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, 
to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in a hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You think Paul cared about these folks? Do you, do you feel that? He's just, he's, he's writing through tears. He's just encouraging and encouraging and encouraging and encouraging. So if we think about, you know, like a cursory look at some themes, like what are some themes that you heard when I was reading Philippians? What came up more than once? Rejoice. 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 In the midst of what? Whatever, right? Persecution, suffering. Paul's, Paul's, Paul's where when he writes this? He's in prison. You're like, what in the world? Now, he, here's something that uh, Dr. Fee helped me with uh, this last week. He had a quote, and he used a word I had never seen before. And I want to show you this word real quick. So, Dave, let's go to the next slide. All right. So, motif. Everybody's, you've heard the word motif, right? You know what the word motif means? You ever heard this word before? Anyone want to take a stab at pronouncing it? Light motif, which is, so I looked up how to pronounce it yesterday because I'd like to pronounce words properly in front of you and look like an idiot, right? And uh, I have been saying it in my head, leap motif, for like days and days. So I'm just glad that I said it and Julie didn't have to laugh at me because I told her you should giggle really loud if I say it wrong this morning and I didn't, so yay. Uh, it's a light motif. So here's what a motif and a light motif are. A motif is a recurring thing. You like that? It's magic. You just point and it works. It's fantastic. 
Uh, it's a recurring theme. So you know this, like something that shows up and shows up and shows up. A leitmotif is a recurring theme associated with a particular person or idea or situation. And what Fee told me to be on the lookout for, because I feel like he wrote it for me, was don't just think it's just be happy. It's not be happy. It's a joy, a happiness that is rooted in a person. You see, the noun, if you had to pick one noun, like what's the most common noun that I said when I read Philippians? Person, place, or thing is a noun. Christ, yes. What was it? Uh, 37 times. The next most popular noun is God, 23. The next is Jesus, 22. The next is Lord, 15. There is a very clear emphasis in Philippians about who Jesus is and where our joy is rooted in and comes from. So as we talk about Philippians and as the concept of joy and rejoicing comes up, because it does 14 times in the text, it's not just a motif separated from anything else. Because when you watch Star Wars and you hear Darth Vader's music, you know Vader's coming, right? So when we see joy in Philippians, we should be thinking about Jesus. It's not disconnected from him. It is intimately ingrained and from him. So that's as much preaching as I wanted to do today. However, I didn't want us to miss this beautiful new word, leitmotif. It's like, isn't that crazy? What a weird word. That's why you read people smarter than you. So there's that. All right, so that's week one of Philippians. Woo-hoo. Next week, Lord willing, we'll be on page 16. The week after that, we'll start uh, with uh, <laughs> verse 1. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about who the letter is not about, because it's not about Paul. So with that, uh, you should have a weekly update on your table. So if you would, take a gander, pray through some of those prayer requests. I'll give you two new ones, two new ones. So one, uh, Matt Ayers' mom, Peggy, uh, died this week. And the, there is a visitation this afternoon from 2 to 3, and then the funeral is right after that. I think there's a graveside tomorrow morning at, I, I want to say, 10. Uh, so please be in prayer for uh, Matt's family. And then, as happens on this planet... Uh, there is death and there is life. So how many of you saw the Facebook post that Brittany put this morning? Yes, it's fantastic, glorious. Uh, we have, uh, I, I, can't, I can't like say she's a member yet, but I mean, she's, she's going to be one day. Sophia Lynn, uh, six pounds, three ounces, 19.75 inches, born last night. So Brittany and Danus are exempt from all church activities for a few weeks because baby time, there you go. Uh, we, are, we are thrilled with that. Uh, they are going to need some food, so uh, we'll be marshalling some resources to help them and provide that for them. But uh, keep those two families in your prayers, one for the death, one for the life, and all with the hope of faith in Jesus Christ. So with that, uh, I dismiss you to go and to pray as a table and then to go and to worship this one in whom our joy is rooted. That is where it comes from. So thanks for being here today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.